the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. It is a it is the uh let's see second morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2022 and it is a where in the world is Mr. Scream there he is it is a free for all friday <laughs> Mr. Scream is like in a coffee break or something there for a second I couldn't get him up uh but good to have you aboard thanks for being with us we have a lot to a lot of work to do today we've got one guest coming up actually two guests in one spot you know that trash festival they're going to have in Columbus tomorrow that I've been telling you about, a celebration of all things deviant and all things recruiting and grooming. Yes, trying to teach little kids that it's cool and normal, literally normalizing grown men wearing women's clothing, particularly sexualized women's clothing, if not straight-up lingerie, at a quote-unquote family-friendly drag show for kids. Um, yeah, the holodrag show is going on in Columbus with the full support of the mayor, 
Mayor Ginther in Columbus says this is a great thing. He's going to make sure that there is all kinds of promotion. And moreover, he is going to make sure that anybody that is there to protect kids is kept far, far away from the event. That's right. Security is going to be provided by not a private security firm. This isn't something that the Holla Drag organization has to pay for. The Columbus taxpayers will be paying for the Columbus police to keep protesters and demonstrators who are trying to protect children away from that event. And we're going to have at uh, 10 o'clock, <clears throat> 10, 10 to be precise, so an hour from now we're going to have uh, two of those protesters who are going to be joining us. Uh, they're Columbus uh, natives, they're both patriots, and they're going to be amongst a whole bunch of other people that, by the way, of course, are being denigrated for their decision to go there and protest. Because, of course, protesting the sexualization of children isn't, you know, uh, something that is a positive thing. It's, it's really showing your anti-gay hatred, your anti-LGBTQ hatred and bigotry and phobia, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how it's being painted, of course. So we're going to talk about that with them coming up at 10.10. Other than that, it's all you and it's all me. That's what I mean when I say free for all. Anything we've been discussing this week or anything that maybe you wish we had that we haven't, that's what the phone lines are open for, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Now we have a lot to get into, so before we get into it, I'm going to ask you to rise as a patriot, face the flag that you have nearby. If you don't have one, it's okay. Maybe pull one up. Oh, that's an idea. I never thought of that. And I give praise to, I think it was Jay, was the individual that I met at uh, one of my events uh, recently, who came up to me and said he's the guy that had the first idea of putting a postage stamp on his dashboard in his car. He said he's in the car every day between 9 and 9.30, and when we do our pledge, he wanted to be able to see a flag. And so he put a postage stamp of the U.S. flag on his dashboard. It was awesome. And I, I threw that out there, and a whole bunch of people responded in kind, and here's where I put mine, and here's where I put mine based on where I am. I just had a good idea. Uh, maybe my first. You have a phone, right? Most people have smartphones. Pull up a picture of the U.S. flag. Just type into your little browser there, U.S. flag, and hit images, and pop. You can stare at that one, wherever you might be. Try not to do that while you're driving, however, but you get the point. So there you go. Uh, face your flag wherever it may be and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you believe in the overt sexualization of children for the advancement of a political agenda, well, then you don't believe in the freedom that that flag represents. You believe in pseudo-freedom, and you believe in grooming. You are thus exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to that flag. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback, while the rest of us stand and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all alright so let's start out talking about freedom and let's start talking about the First Amendment um, this is somewhat related to the story that I just gave you and it's going to be somewhat related to the other lead stories we have this morning including the Ohio uh, uh, General Assembly once again deciding not to do their jobs, or at least not deciding or deciding not to do them in an expeditious manner. Remember House Bill 454 we told you about? It's called the SAFE Act. SAFE meaning save adolescents from experimentation. Introduced by State Representative Gary Click and uh, uh, co co-sponsored by Diane Grandel. It's a very important bill. And it would essentially stop, um, it would ban 
uh, the providing of minors with puberty-blocking drugs, chemical castration, if you will, or cross-sex hormones for gender transitioning. This was supposed to have been done this week. It's not. They have decided to postpone it until next year, according to the bill's Republican sponsors. Now, that may or may not be a terrible thing because, of course, we've expanded the Republican majority in the General Assembly by way of the midterms. So, you know, it's not as though we're going to walk into a different type of, uh, you know, different type of uh, General Assembly that is somehow controlled by Democrats. It's not. But this is something that is timely. And I think it's important. And I, I'm so tired of, of having, you know, government and legislation move at the snail's pace that it does. It's just a very frustrating thing, uh, quite frankly, and uh, I want to get these things done. So uh, House Bill 454 will not be done or voted upon until sometime next year, uh, presumably in January. I can hope, but we don't even have that confirmed. So that's one uh, part of the story. Um, and we've got a number of other stories on that front. But this one is going back to the passage of the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Now, again, I continue to call it Disrespect for Marriage because I don't believe in lying the way the um, uh, sponsors of those bills and the namers of those bills do. Um, they call it the Respect for Marriage Act. They're lying to you. It disrespects marriage, but more importantly, or as importantly anyway, what it does is it completely abolishes and shreds the First Amendment on the grounds of freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Um, So we've been talking about this in some depth, obviously. With the passage of the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, the Defense of Marriage Act is completely repealed. The Defense of Marriage Act says marriage is between one man and one woman, period. It's been that way since 1996 when both Republicans and Democrats were sane, at least to a degree. Sane enough to sponsor, vote on, and pass that, both sides, bipartisan, is a really good thing. But then, of course, well, you know, the last 20 years plus, 25 years or so, has has, has changed things dramatically. So why am I bringing this up again? Well, first of all, because this just happened two days ago that they voted and passed this thing. And number two, because of this. 303 Creative is an organization that is fighting for their First Amendment rights and they will be doing so before the United States Supreme Court on Monday. This case carries massive First Amendment implications. Most significant, uh, The most significant case we have had in years, according to Alliance Defending Freedom, Lori Smith is an artist who runs her own design studio called 303 Creative. She specializes in graphic and website design. Graphics meaning graphics, you know, not something that is graphic and disturbing. Graphics and website design. And she loves to visually convey messages in every site she creates. It's what she does. She was excited to expand her portfolio to create websites that celebrate marriage. You know, weddings. Hey, that's great. But she wanted to create them for what she believes in, which is traditional marriage between a man and a woman. But the state of Colorado, the same state, that has made the life of Jack Phillips, the cake baker, a living hell for the last 10-plus years, says she can't do that. She's, uh, she's not welcome in that space. A Colorado law is censoring what she wants to say, which is a free speech violation, and requiring her to create designs that, sell, that violate her beliefs about marriage. In July of last year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit ruled against her, 
holding that Colorado can force her to create websites promoting messages that contradict her beliefs about marriage. I, I hope I don't have to shout that in order to really underscore the importance of that and the danger of that. Because it is terrifying, quite frankly. On Monday, December 5th, the justices at the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in the case of 303 Creative versus Alinas, a clash between free speech rights and LBGTQXYZ, exclamation point, question mark, hashtag ampersand, rights. So this is, this is what it all comes down to. Because I said to you on Wednesday, and after I talked with Chris Long on the air on Monday when we were trying to get you to contact Rob Portman, who was among the senators who was going to, um, uh, that were going to join with the Democrats and essentially destroy the First Amendment by way of freedom of religion and freedom of, of speech, uh, in that, uh, in that respect for marriage case. You know, as we talked about, uh, as we discussed all of those things, it was going to happen very fast. It's going to move very fast. And we said, we are all Jack Phillips now. We are all Jack Phillips now. Because the only protections that might be provided by the Disrespect for Marriage Act are to actual religious institutions insofar as they won't have to perform the ceremonies. They can't make the Catholic Church or, you know, a Muslim mosque or a Jewish uh, synagogue, they can't make them hold same-sex weddings and actually conduct them there. That's about the only protection that's being given on the uh, basis of religion. Why does that matter so much? It should be obvious. Should be obvious because you don't have to be a member of the clergy, and you don't have to actually be a part of the church. You can just be a parishioner and have the same strength in your own beliefs and in your faith as the actual physical church does. But yours don't count if you have a business. We are all Jack Phillips. You will make what we tell you to make, or you will lose your business. You understand that? And if you think it's going to stop in this this era, if you think it's going to stop with you must create a graphic design you know website for um, for a same sex wedding, you have to make cakes for same sex weddings, you have to provide the floral arrangements for same sex weddings, you have to provide the photography or the DJ services or whatever, whether you want to be there or not, you'll do it or you'll lose your business. If you think it stops there, then let me remind you of the doggone trans movement. Because there are trans people and family members who want to have parties and celebrate the transitioning of, of ripping apart what God made, literally putting the people under the knife between chemical castration and surgical mutilation, and they want to celebrate it, and they want to have a party. And they're going to cake bakers and saying, make me a transition cake. Happy transition, Johnny slash Jane. It will have no end whatsoever. The slippery slope will become completely unmanageable. Anything and everything that you're told to do, you will have to do if the First Amendment protections are gutted like this. People don't seem to understand, at least not with enough depth, to the point where they will stand up and fight and and push back The idea that compelled speech is just as dangerous as suppressed and censored speech. And this is what's happening here. Lori Smith is being compelled to create something that makes her sick to her stomach and is in violation of her beliefs.
that marriage is between one man and one woman. She's got to sit down at her computer with her little, you know, Photoshop and her draw and all of the creative talents that she has. She has to make something up for something that she completely does not believe. That would be like forcing someone to stand up in public and read a speech um, that was written for them, praising and supporting something that they find completely inappropriate and completely antithetical to their own belief system. How on earth can that happen? But as I noted, a Colorado appeals court said she has to do it. And now it is going on Monday before the Supreme Court. So this is... um, this is very, very disturbing. Chief Judge in that 10th uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, by the way, uh, Timkovich, wrote a powerful dissent about Colorado ordering her to create these websites promoting me- messages that contradict her beliefs. The chief wrote a dissent calling the majority's holding, quote, unprecedented and staggering, and said, quote, the Constitution protects Ms. Smith from the government telling her what to say, end quote. Thank you. That is exactly what I've been trying to say. How anybody, how anybody to, to, could possibly make their way through law school, through the bar, through a career as an attorney, to the point where they are now a judge sitting on a circuit court of appeals, a federal bench, doesn't acknowledge the First Amendment? And that it cannot force the, allow the government to force people to say things they don't want to say? How that can happen, I don't know. In reality, I think I do, but it's just something I can't come to grips with. The reality is these people aren't judges. These people are not jurists. These people are not beholden to the Constitution or the law. These people are activists looking to advance an agenda from the highest positions in the land, the positions on benches in federal courts. And when they take stands like this, and they tell people, you must say what we tell you to say, or you lose your business, or you can be sued into oblivion, into bankruptcy, then the country is gone. You understand that? The country is gone. Overly dramatic? Hyperbolic? Hope not. Because every word I just said is accurate. I welcome you. It's a free-for-all today. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always right radio on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, friends, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. December 7th is almost here. What is December 7th? Well, in addition to being Pearl Harbor Day, it is the end of the annual enrollment period for your Medicare services. That's right. The chance to change your plan from a supplemental plan to an Advantage plan, for example, is December 7th. So you've got to call this phone number now, 440-832-8936. If you have not, have not yet made your plans to change your Medicare coverage in the upcoming year, You've got to do this by December 7th. Call 440-832-8936. Listen, there are a lot of things that change in Medicare coverage every single year. Some things are better than they were before, and you need to know about them so you can enroll in them. Some things are not as good, and you need to avoid those. How do you know which ones to enroll in and which ones to avoid? Well, you call 440-832-8936. That's how you do it. The changes are complex. A lot of people cannot understand them, and that's why Mark King uh, founded Keeping Medicare Simple 33 years ago. 
440-832-8936. He'll make the complex simple. He'll listen to your life story, your medical needs, your financial situation, and make recommendations to you from a multitude of carriers. And that's the beauty. Mark King and his team at Keeping Medicare Simple, they represent multiple carriers. That means they can give you objective and unbiased advice. What's best for you? Not what not what's best for an insurance company. Call 440-832-8936. Call and make your appointment. You don't have to be in person. You can do it on the phone. You can have an appointment by Zoom. You can meet him in person, whatever you need to do. But you need to call now because time is running out. 440-832-8936. Make your Medicare selections. If you're aging into the program for the first time, do not delay. 440-832-8936. I trust Mark King with Medicare, and I promise Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 9.36 now we continue. You know, it's um, it's just, it's it's weird and it's sad and it's disturbing that, you know, whenever I prepare radio programs, and I and I pretty much prepare 24 hours a day. What I mean, I'm not, that's not a, intended to be some sort of a weird uh, flex. What I mean is... I'm always on the lookout for stories. I'm always, if I'm watching TV and I see something come on or something flashes across my screen or I hear somebody, I'm immediately jotting it down because it's something I want to re- uh, look up and do some research on for a show. So I do it kind of all the time. And it's remarkable to me that as I look at this list of stories that I have set aside for today, how many of them have to do with this non-stop full-court press on sexualizing kids. I mean, it really is. You you may be thinking, I'm a little bit tired of hearing about this, but literally, it's dominating the news cycle much more than you know Joe Biden's destruction of the country and our energy industry and his student loan program. Now that the uh, Supreme Court is also going to hear a challenge on his uh, student loan uh, uh, bailout. I mean, this is there's for every one regular story, there's two or three stories on this this grooming that continues to go on in this attempt to sexualize kids and get them to buy into and to normalize these deviant lifestyles. It's really, really remarkable, and it's very, very sad. And here's just another one: in Ohio Middle School in Upper Arlington, Upper Arlington Schools, um, reports that a, a librarian there who identifies, I don't know if it's himself or herself, because they call themselves non-binary, and I I won't play their game. I just wish I knew who this person was, so I could say male or female for real. But at any rate, the librarian did a presentation for sixth graders. What are sixth graders? Eleven? Twelve? Some, depending on when their birthday falls. So 11 and 12-year-old kids. Minors. Not even teenagers yet. Kids in in primary school, primary grades, presented to sixth grade students, uh, asking them whether they might be of a different gender and whether they feel safe discussing these thoughts at home. The librarian tried to make the kids make a declaration of their own gender fluidity. You know, you don't have to be. Here's 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 an oddity. About a year ago, um, at one of those speeches I gave, it was at Medina County Friends and Neighbors McFan. I opened up the my remarks, my 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 speech, um, by making up a story 
because I just wanted to underscore something. And and I said I was at a Little League baseball game watching my nephew. I don't even have a nephew. I was at a Little League baseball game watching a nephew, and I was just standing there outside the fence, and I saw a, a young kid who must have been, I don't know, nine years old or something like that, and uh, some other uh, uh, some woman came up to him and said, uh, Hey there, how are you? And What's your name? And proceeded to just try to you know befriend the child and then said, So do you have a girlfriend? And the boy said no, and he said, Do you like girls? You know, you don't have to like girls. You can like boys, too. You know, you don't even have to be a boy if you don't want to. You ever think about being something else? And I just made the story up to get people's jaws on the ground. And the sad truth is um, their jaws weren't really on the ground because this is becoming more and more commonplace. And then I ended my little, you know, my little opening act there by uh, saying I went over to the woman uh, to, to tell her to leave that child alone, how dare you? And then she said, it's okay, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm allowed to do this. And that did get the jaws on the ground because people you know, didn't know my story was fake uh, because that's something that I would think they would do. If you look online at the number of preschool and primary grade teachers and middle school teachers, and what the hell, through high school too, but, but I'm really more concerned about the younger ones, they're doing this all the time. And I just made that story up as kind of an exaggeration that they would do it in a public setting and say, it's okay if I try to talk to young kids who are not mine about sex, sexual attraction, sexual orientation, sexual identification. It's okay to do that if I'm a teacher. And I got the response I wanted. By the time I was done, there were jaws on the ground. And I said, it's okay. It never happened. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because now it's happening in schools. Not at baseball games, but probably there too. A, a non-binary identifying librarian asking sixth graders if they're gender fluid and if they want to be something else, but they're afraid to say so. The grade six English language arts teachers of Hastings Middle School in Upper Arlington partnered with the Upper Arlington Public Library to ask librarian Alex Burris to make recommendations to students for books on the topic of coming of age. During uh, the report noted during the presentation, Burris reportedly recommended nine books in total, but focused on two, most notably Anna on the Edge, whose main character is introduced to and explores her gender fluidity. According to a parent whose child was present for the discussion, the youth librarian proceeded to identify herself as non-binary and proceeded to question the children there on their understanding of the terms non-binary or transgender. Amazon describes the book Anna on the Edge as, quote, a heartfelt coming-of-age story about a non-binary character navigating a binary world. You have no idea how much it disgusts me just to even read these things. But we have to be aware. The book focuses on a 12-year-old top figure skater, Anna Marie Jin, who befriends a transgender boy and then begins to believe she may be transgender as well. Well, look, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. We both suffer from gender dysphoria. How about that? You know, to believe the radical leftists pushing the trans movement, which is truly, if there is an actual condition, gender dysphoria, to believe them, gender dysphoria spreads like COVID. I mean, once it's in the air in a classroom, it's over, baby. It's, you know, there's no mask going to stop that from, from uh, spreading to everybody in the room. That's how you have teachers with 30 students in their class going on TikTok and claiming 15 of my 30 students have come out to me as trans this year. Well, 
I mean, think about the odds of that. When gender dysphoria pretty much affects about less than 1% of the population in true medical, scientific, psychological norms, about 1% of the population, suddenly half of the kids in this class are, are identifying as they don't have gender dysphoria. They have we're making teacher happy disease. We are following the lead. We are doing what we're told. We don't want to be caught up uh, as and, and be, um, uh, we don't want to be uh, uh, ostracized. So we're going to do what the rest of the crowd is doing. It'll make the teacher happy. It'll make everybody else happy. We'll be popular. We'll get clicks and likes. And, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud of you and so good of you to open up who you really are and blah, 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 when it's all crap. K-E-R-R-A-P-P. Crap. Parents reported to Libs of TikTok that during at least one of the presentations to the children, Burris asked whether any children in the room thought they might be a different gender and whether they have a safe place to discuss these thoughts at home. Parents began contacting the school to voice their concern. One said, my husband and I immediately contacted the principal who was unaware of the guest in the school as well as the books and the subject matter being discussed. We need to let this community know what is happening with our schools because right now there are a lot of parents that have no idea what their kids are being exposed to on a daily basis. Adults need to start protecting our children from the constant bombardment of gender confusion and sexuality. Gender confusion. That's what's being used. That term, better than gender identity, better than gender uh, um, uh, uh, normalization, or grooming, gender confusion is what they're promoting. Because if they get kids confused, then they can be molded. Their minds, which are completely mush anyway at that age, they're for, in their pre-formative years, their minds can be molded in whatever way they want. If they make them confused, they can then straighten them out in a way that they truly believe. Well, probably straight wasn't the right word to use there. The firestorm over the availability of highly sexual material that is accessible to children in school libraries has continued to rage following the election of a self-described Marxist lesbian as the American Library Association's next president. Did you catch that? And you're wondering why libraries all over the country are hosting these drag events, quote-unquote, for kids. Drag time story hour, drag queen story hour. The American Library Association just elected a person who describes himself as a Marxist or herself as a Marxist lesbian. That's the new president. Now, first of all, in a real, I won't say in a real world, in a normalized world, I would have no idea what a librarian president's sexual orientation is why is she self-described as a lesbian nobody comes up to me and asks me who do you like to have sexual relationships with males or females or both you want to know why because it's nobody's friggin business nobody came up to her and said who do you like to sleep with men or women or both she just offered it i'm a marxist lesbian look at me celebrate me promote me And you either pick up that rainbow flag and celebrate and promote her, or you get ostracized, canceled, labeled a phobe, homophobe, transphobe, some sort of a bigot. 
This is really happening in schools. I made up that story in my speech over a year ago about a strange woman going up to a kid and asking him about, about his sexual habits, sexual orientation, sexual identification, and so forth, and people freaked out. Now it's not a made-up story. Now it's real. Now it's happening. And the question is, is are you going to let it happen? Are you okay with it happening? Do you support the idea of adults say, uh, having sexual conversations with your kids just because they happen to carry the title teacher. I'll never be okay with that. Uh, Sally is in Berea. Sally, you're on AM 1420 The Answer. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Your segment that broke down the prophetic visions of Paul Harvey gave me pause. Working in human services over the decades, I saw firsthand the effects that living without the presence of a father figure had on children. Many young males joined group gangs for affirmation with disastrous and sometimes fatal results. Young females often embrace the single-parent lifestyle with the government ending up being the provider in the war on poverty. Sadly, it ended up being a war on fatherhood. I'm sorry to be so negative, but there are... There's one tradition that I will keep in a few short weeks, and that is to wish everyone I pass by a Merry Christmas, because some things we must hold on to. Thanks again. Well, you're exactly right, Sally. Some things we, we do have to hold on to. And you know what's really important? Doing it in public to show other people that they're not alone. I just went, and thank you for the call, Sally, by the way. Oh, I forgot, Sally, 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 hold on. I am in possession of a card, beautiful card, by the way, adorned with flags, and uh, it's just a beautiful scene, and it's a letter from Sally who apologized for a phone glitch during the phone call uh, that ended when an emergency message came on her phone. She said she has rectified that problem and, quote, your program is my favorite news source of items of interest to conservatives. I hope you and your family have a well-deserved hol- holiday celebration. Gratefully, Sally and Berea. I've, I wanted to keep this here at my console so that I could uh, read it whenever Sally called in again. And, Sally, thank you very much. And you dig it! <laughs> I, um... Uh, I was checking out at a store, and I wish I could remember what it was. It wasn't Home Depot, but it was. It was. It wasn't a grocery store either, and I can't remember. It was about a week ago, and I really am terrible at this kind of thing. But the clerk was just, I mean, over the top, kind of a heavy set guy. Just, uh, just, uh, I want to call him jolly. That's really unfair. But he was a very good, you know, spirited person. Just, you know, very conversational. And hey, how are you today? Blah 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 blah. And as I checked out and walked away, I said, "Merry Christmas." And this is like, right, it was, wasn't even a week ago, because it was right around Thanksgiving weekend. So it was last weekend. I said, uh, Merry Christmas. And he looked, he said, thank you for saying that. And I looked back at him and gave him a wink. And I said, yep, because they don't hear it enough. Pe- people don't hear it enough. They hear Happy Holidays because people are afraid to say Merry Christmas because, oh, my goodness gracious, you might offend somebody who doesn't celebrate Christmas. You might offend somebody who doesn't believe in what you believe, so you're not allowed to say it out loud. And when he said that to me, and he said, thank you for saying that, I just kind of dawned on me, and that's why I'm bringing it up. It just kind of dawned on me. we got to say it more often, because sometimes there are people who aren't sure if they can. They're just not sure if they can say it or if, if it's going to get them in trouble. If someone is going to say, I don't celebrate Christmas, happy holidays, 
you know, and get into a thing with somebody. So they're just silent and they keep their beliefs to themselves. Don't keep your belief to yourself. Say Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas, because you don't know how many other people who might be in the earshot of you wished they were saying it too. And once they hear somebody with the courage to say it out loud, they'll start doing it too. And I think that's important. So God bless you, Sally. Uh, Pete in Richfield. Hi, Pete. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Merry Christmas to Sally. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, I'm a first-time caller. I met you several times at the wonderful Bringing America Back to Life conference. And I'll see you in March. And I believe it's, yep, I'll see you there in March. Great. I, I believe it's a bigger issue than just the religious issues with trans or gay marriage. I think it's about conscientious objection. I'm an independent web developer. I've been so for a couple decades. Um, in high school, about a decade ago, a high school acquaintance contacted me seeking a website for his new business. He asked if I do e-commerce sites. I said, yeah, that's what I do. And he went on to describe his new business where he wanted to sell porn on the web. I listened for a short while and told him I'm not his guy. And he went away. So my sister's a leftist who thinks Jack should have been made to bake the cake. We've had long conversations. She's actually quite brilliant. I asked her if I should have been made to build a porn site. And she said no. I asked her what the difference was, and she had no response. So I, I believe it's less about the particular issue and more about conscientious objection, period. Well, um, I, I, you're 100% right on everything you just said. Um, it's kind of the point I was trying to make when it comes to this Respect for Marriage Act and what it's going to do. Um, you know, everybody that I've talked to, you know, says it's about religious liberty, religious liberty. And it isn't just about religious liberty. That is a huge focus, but you shouldn't have to have a religious, uh, focus here. It can just be your own personal choice. Conscientious objector, as you say. I just said as a matter of conscience, I choose not to say this through my, my talents through my business. In your case, I choose not to say I'm okay with online pornography by not producing it. It's okay if I say that, um, and, and it's okay if I don't want to say, here's some porn for everybody. It's okay if somebody doesn't want to say, hey, here's a transitioning of male to female. If they don't believe in that, it doesn't have to be religious in nature. It can just be your own set of values, your own set of, as we say, conscience, right? Well, yeah, and, and I guess when you when you raise it to that higher level and make it less about the issue and more just about conscientious objection, it's not something I want to expose myself to. Forget about the degradation to society. It's not something I want to expose myself to. And, and you make it like that, then um, I, I think... Well, it, but don't, don't, don't misunderstand, though. Don't, don't misunderstand. You're still going to end up having it being about the issue because they're going to say why. You're going to say it's not something I want to expose myself to or share or expose other people to, whatever, and they're going to say, why? Why are you objecting to this? What is it about your conscience that says you can't produce this? And eventually you're going to have to say, I don't like it and I don't believe in it, and that's when they're going to call you a bigot anyway. You're, ne- you're not going to escape the issue just by saying it's my conscient- my right as a conscientious objector not to do this. You're going to have to give that reason. So the battle is still going to be held. You and your sister, did you say it was your sister who's left wing? Yeah, yeah. You're still going to have to have that conversation with you. You're not going to be able to get away with just it's my conscience and my my own personal choices. I don't want to be a part of that. They're going to make you say why, and then the, the battle is going to be on anyway. So, I mean, I but love I your you. I love the point you're making, but I'm just saying it's you know we're ne- we're never going to we're never going to get away with just saying because I don't want to do it because 
they're going to you're going they're going to say because what and you're going to say because I don't believe in same sex marriage for example and they're going to say bigot and 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 it's on. But, but I'm, I'm not going to turn my sister around on Jack having to to make the cake. But I think I fortify my position when I can raise something that's objectable to her too, porn, and yeah. um, and, and and build my case around that. Look, it's just not something I want to do. Just like she she wouldn't want to do the porn, but she'd bake the cake. She'd make me bake do the website for or or make me bake the cake. Um, well, you know, here's 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 what you do if you really want to get her and you really want to try to turn her around. Find something that she is passionate about. I'm going to assume as a leftist she is proud BLM, and she's proud maybe Antifa, the anti-fascist movement. Make her make a cake or tell, ask her if she was in charge of such a thing, and somebody came in and said, I need you to make an all lives matter and uh, not BLM or, or black lives don't matter cake. Something that is completely antithetical to her belief system, should she be forced to produce that? See what she says. Because the odds are very good, she'd say, no way. And then you can say, thank you. And Jack Phillips, thanks you. Have a nice day. So that's just a thought. Thank you for the call, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. I hope that helps a little bit. I think people should do. Flip it right around on them and see where they go from there. 956, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Take Bob on the go by downloading the WHK Radio app on the Google Play Store. I've got something from uh, Breitbart reporter John Hayward that I think is very, very important. I don't know if you knew. I'm sure you did. We just didn't spend a ton of time on this on the program this week. Uh, Over the weekend, Biden, over the holiday weekend, decided to kind of slip in there. Yeah, we have greenlit the uh, production of more oil from Venezuela. We've told them to go ahead and restart production because, you know, we need more oil here in the United States because our gas prices, our energy prices are still far, far, far too high. And so we need more. And since, you know, it's really, really bad for the environment to drill for more oil, to refine more oil, to produce more gas, to put it into more combustion engines and to allow those carbon emissions to destroy the planet, since it's so bad, We'll have them drill in Venezuela, which is on a different planet than the United States, you see. Right? It's on a different planet. It's Because we're trying to save the planet, so we're not going to allow any more expansion of drilling or exploration or fracking in the United States. Because we're a different planet than the one over there where Venezuela is, right? So we're going to allow Maduro, a communist-slash-socialist tyrant and dictator who has been sanctioned by the world for its human rights violations and worse we're going to allow him to start uh making more money through chevron uh producing and uh and refining more oil uh for use in the united states that's what joe biden just did and of course this is all stopgap measures until what until everybody in the united states is driving an electric vehicle Is that the goal? Until everybody trades in and gets rid of their internal combustion engine vehicles, your gas-fueled cars, and gets into an EV, that's when things will be okay, right? Not right. I want to share this in a tweet thread from John Hayward at Breitbart. You need to know that the current um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I'm having a brain cramp here. Uh, the current uh, fossil fuels. The current fossil fuel crackdown that we are seeing right now and that is leading to this massive, massive spike in energy prices that we none of us are able to handle. It is not a temporary thing. They're going to continue to push until they get you to believe that everybody will have their cars replaced by EVs, electric vehicles. But this article by John Hayward and Breitbart disproves the entire thing. You need to hear this. Spoiler alert, the end game of the electric vehicle revolution is not the same number of people driving around, except using EVs instead of gas-fueled cars. The end game is sharply restricting or eliminating personal transportation for the middle and lower classes. There aren't enough vital minerals in the entire world to replace the internal combustion engine with batteries. It's an empirically demonstrable fact. Those profiting from the EV revolution are well aware of it. And what of the third world? It is physically impossible to build enough EVs to replace cars on a one-to-one basis. What happens to the places that need affordable internal combustion engines to develop industry? They're being consigned to eternal pre-industrial poverty. It's outright imperialism especially when you look at what actually happens to countries where our green visionaries are happy to unleash rapacious Chinese corporations to rip Mother Earth to shreds. Global dreams of expanding a prosperous middle class will be shattered. The genuine demand for electric cars is very nearly zero, and always has been. If they were sold at realistic prices without titanic subsidies forcibly extracted from the taxpayers, there would be maybe a hundred of them in the entire world, driven by virtue-signaling idle, rich people. We have been forced to finance our compulsory transition away from reliable and affordable personal transportation. If this was any other industry, the left would be screaming bloody murder at the cronyism, corruption, profiteering, and staggering environmental damage. The environmental promises of electric cars are a total sham, It takes a very long time for an EV to reach the same net environmental footprint as a modern automobile, especially if we're not allowed to use nuclear power to charge them. And the cost per mile is staggering. The cost per mile factor is important not only because the middle class will be impoverished by the compulsory adoption of EVs, but because environmental sensitivity is a luxury of prosperous societies. Raise the cost of everything for EVs, and people will get dirtier in other ways. Existing national power grids cannot come close to handling a one-to-one transition from autos to EVs. Again, the people doing this to us are very well aware of that. If we're forced to sacrifice reliable power sources for expensive solar and wind junk, the shortage gets much, much worse. Everything that could come close to making these calculations work out for EVs is highly speculative technology, if not outright science fiction. We've got collectivist plans that dissolve into penciled-in question marks five and ten years out. Maybe hydrogen fuel cells will pan out. So the plan is clearly to reduce the number of people with access to personal transportation, especially with enough range to give them control over their own careers and lifestyles. The lower classes will move around less. They'll use public transportation. Most of them will cluster in cities. And I'll pause there to tell you the obvious. 
when you force people to cluster in cities because they are no longer allowed to have personal transportation vehicles to drive in from the suburbs, you cluster them where? Where the highest levels of crime exist, the highest levels of vandalism exist. It's the reason people flee dense, urban, populated settings, to get away from that so they can live in a little bit of peace, with a little bit of space, a little bit of distance, in their own suburban homes. That'll be gone when this entire EV push is, um, is finished, or at least when it advances. Not for the elite, of course. They will have reliable transportation. They will be allowed to fly. Not a single member of the political or corporate upper crust will ever be obliged to plan their business or leisure around the lack of at-will, long-range individual transport. There are quite a few states in the U.S. where it would be impossible for many residents to drive across state lines if they were forced to use EVs. It would take days of driving and recharging, assuming the titanic investment of building enough charging stations was even made. It's already clear to most people in the lower and middle class that EVs are unaffordable. Sneering elitists, snottily ordering hard-working family folks to throw down $60,000 plus uh, staggering maintenance $60,000 plus staggering maintenance costs to replace their lovely $20,000 sedans should be causing an uprising. You should rise up, writes John Hayward at uh, Breitbart. Not only because you're being ordered to pay for those incredibly expensive, unreliable, shorter-range EVs, but because the TOFs giving those orders know you can't do it. They're the same people who accuse employers of exploitation over minimum wage jobs. If people supposedly can't make a living at anything close to the minimum wage now, what happens when personal transportation costs three to five times more? They know you can't afford that. They know you'll surrender your freedom of movement after they make it unaffordable. So I'm kind of curious to anybody who might be on the EV train here telling, telling me that this is the way of the future, this is how we save our planet, this is a better deal, we've got to get rid of those internal combustion engines, and this is the answer, I would love to hear your response to that. There is no way, there just are not enough of the important vital minerals to build those batteries in existence on Earth or in Earth today, which, by the way, has to be mined just like oil and coal and natural gas have to be mined and drilled for, but there simply are not enough of them to replace every combustion and internal combustion engine with an electric car battery. It just cannot happen. So what happens when you are stuck without a vehicle? When everything that, that John just uh, John Hayward just wrote in Breitbart uh, comes to pass and you are stuck living without a vehicle, you can't drive to your job, you're going to have to move closer to the job, which is going to be in the city, and you're just going to have to suffer there. Whatever happens, happens. I would love to hear the uh, defense of that. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Mark is calling us from Olmstead Township on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead, Mark. Hey, Bob. Uh... It's not why I called, but the only thing I got to say about the uh, Venezuela thing is oil is based on futures. And if, you know, we just open a pipeline to our neighbors to the north, the futures will drop. Oil prices will drop. You mean something like the Keystone pipeline? Like that one? Yeah, something like that. You know, just, you know, build it. But my comment was about the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, which I love that you do that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
However, I'm I'm about your age. My kids are all grown. When you first started, you did a pledge that it wasn't the kid alone. It was like a classroom. Yeah, yeah. I had a classroom version and I, of it. Yeah, I love that one. I, you like that one better? My, yo, it melts my heart when I hear all the kids, the young kids like that saying it. It's just it's phenomenal. You know what? I'll make a point. I'll make a rotator so that the you know a different one plays every day. Or not a different one every day, but but you know we'll rotate them through so that we can hear that one. I I used to do that too. You know the only thing that happened is I got a new computer and I had to re you know uh, download all my files and some of them did, some of them didn't. And since I only got one of my pledges transferred over, I just use that one every day. So yeah, but I, well, but yeah, I played it the making... same way for the reason you did. You know, I, it 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 warms my heart too to hear the younger generation making yep. a pledge, making me feel like you know maybe there's a little bit of hope you know yep well yeah. you know those computers are making our lives easier right bob <laughs> yeah right <laughs> all right hey mark thanks my friend i appreciate the advice i'll uh I'll, I'll, I'll get that done as soon as i can all right that'd be great thank you all bob. Right, buddy thanks for the call appreciate that um yeah uh to the energy point he's exactly right of course i mean you know i i, I don't want to sit here and just do the the biden thing every day but for him to, over the course of the last two, three weeks before the election, the midterms, stand up at every crowd he could find and say that he lowered gas prices, that gas prices were over $5 a gallon when he got into office, and he lowered them by over $1.50 a gallon, and that's big savings to every family in America. Do you remember when he said that? Countless numbers of times. I kept playing them for you. It's so aggravating because the... Energy cost and the gas price cost in this country, the crisis that we are in right now, is literally and wholly 100% responsible, the responsibility of Joe Biden. It is not market forces. It is not global demand. It is not Vladimir Putin's war, Putin's price hike, and any of the other crap that they said. Literally on day one when he came in and declared he was going to destroy fossil fuels, the fossil fuel industry, no more oil anywhere, ever. That's literally what he said. When he came in and killed that pipeline that uh, the caller was just talking about, when he came in and said no more fracking on federal lands, no more drilling in Anwar or in the Gulf, when he literally declared war on fossil fuels, the prices started spiking. They went from 239 to 250, from 250 to 275. By the time we got up near $3, people are like, what in the living hell is going on here? This was all the impact of Joe Biden, and not one Russian boot had set foot on Ukrainian soil as gas got up over $3 a gallon. And then when it rose up to 350 and 4 and all the way up to 5 and then it started to come back down, now he's t- taking victory laps? Are you kidding me? Everybody remembers exactly what he promised to make happen. He promised there would be no more fossil fuels, and he wanted you to be very, very clear about it. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? I mean, I've got a, I've got a montage of his comments about that. It literally, and the caller's right. The price of oil is based on futures. If he just says we're rebuilding the pipeline instantly, instantly, the price per barrel of oil on the open international market drops because the Americans are going to start pumping again, and the Americans are going to start shipping the oil. All he's got to do is say we have granted X number of new leases for drilling and for fracking instantly the prices of energy start to drop because it's all about the futures. How does this impact a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, from ten years from now? All of our prices will drop immediately if he just uh, would do this. But he's never going to back down because he said, I promise, I guarantee you, look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes, and I promise we're never going to use these things again. And so, But what he will do 
is go to Saudi Arabia and beg them to drill for uh, and, uh, and increase their output for us. Because, you know, Saudi Arabia is on a different planet than Earth. All of those green energy, gangrene, um, global, uh, global warming alarmists, well, they won't be worried about that because that's a different globe over there, you see. Just like Venezuela, that's its own globe. It doesn't impact the Earth. They can drill. We just can't do it here because that will impact our globe. That's what this guy made happen. The caller's exactly right. Quick timeout, 1052, Always Right Radio. Five minutes before the top of the hour, it is uh, free for all the rest of the way, so whatever topic you want to bring up, whatever question you have, whatever comment you want to make, by all means, hit me up, 216-901-0945, and 888-281-1110. Let's go to Chardon, and you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, hi, Bob, um, first-time caller. I just um, wanted to bring up, I, I think, let the markets decide a lot of that uh, for the EVs, because, you know, if, if they're out there and nobody buys them, you know, and the, the companies that are going to make out are the ones, you know, like, say, Toyota, and somebody just doesn't, uh, you know, buy into making their lineups all EVs, then people, will, you know, will probably buy those because they're cheaper and, you know what I mean? And, and although, you know, we have an, uh, a hybrid electric, which we do enjoy, it, it's a plug-in, and it, uh, you know, it's a Chevy Volt, and, and it gets 60 miles on electric, and that usually last us for most of our errands and whatnot, and then if we want to go longer, we, we can. Got the motor See, the, as well. the problem in with, um, uh, with a statement like, let the market decide, is that they manipulate the market. Uh, oh. If the market was left alone, I would agree with you. You can you can be a f- feel free to buy a Chevy Volt or an EV of your choice, and that's fine. Or a hybrid, or whatever the case might be, might be, mm-hmm. that's fine. But or what they the do gas. with the gas costs, right? They 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 raise the gas cost to the point where it's no longer something that people can can make a choice on. They cannot afford to live the life they're living, to drive the commute they're driving, to drive the ne- necessary family miles that they have, and so forth, at the cost that they are uh, price per gallon they are. So people are forced in. Into finding a way to get into maybe leasing an electric vehicle, if not buying one, and knowing you're going to pay for probably seventy-two to eighty-four months more than you even could could have thought of paying for a uh, you know for a car payment. So when they manipulate the the market, we, it's hard to just say let's let the market decide. They're putting people in a in a lose lose situation. You pay three four three four bucks a gas uh, a gallon for gas, or you pay that high uh, a price per month on a car payment for an EV and. Uh, and then, God forbid, what happens when that EV, and I know you have a, a hybrid, so this isn't specific to you, but God forbid when that EV battery goes. Because what we're finding uh, yeah. out is to replace the battery, if your car is still in good working order except for the battery, the battery costs more than the value of the car. Right. You, <laughs> so you're like, yeah, yeah. you end up trashing it and, and, and starting all over again. So, mm-hmm. and, and, that's, and that's the problem with letting them manipulate the market forces to force people into something that is never going to be in the people's best interest. That's why the right. um, article was written there explaining, you know, people like you and me and a lot of other people aren't going to be able to have cars if they try to make it a full-on switchover one-to-one, you know, every combustion uh, engine right. to I a two-EV. I just can't see everybody, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it's switching over because it just, uh, yeah. But it's like difficult. you say, if, if you can't, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, well, it's difficult on a micro level for an individual for the reasons we just described, and it's difficult on a macro level because the infrastructure is simply not there either. Well, yeah, that too. That's, yeah, that's why we would never go on a full-on EV because it's, you just don't know that you can charge it up and it's inconvenient. Right. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, uh, it, it, so you need to have a backup there, and that's good. And uh, you know, I mean, maybe the hybrid is a little bit of a better choice and for a lot of people. It's working out, and I'm glad it does for you. Uh, but uh, it, you know, it really should be a market issue. It should be a people, uh, people making up their own minds. But they shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't be forced to make a, make a decision because they're screwing around with the actual production of the other vehicles. So, right, right. Well, and I'm glad thanks. you called as a first time caller. Make sure you become a second time caller. Okay. Right, right. I uh, do. Uh, I enjoy listening to your show. You got a lot of you. good. Opinion, so. Thank you very much. I appreciate you Thank listening. You so I appreciate much. you calling. You got it. Have a great day and a great weekend. It's 1059. We'll get to our newscast on the other side of the news. We'll have about another 45 minutes of free-for-all Friday calls. You hit what you want to hit, uh, even if it's kicky ball. Are you watching the kicky ball tournament? I don't watch kicky ball. It's not my thing. But a lot of people are, are, are you know, commenting on the kicky ball, and in particular, the amount of money they make for playing kicky ball out in Cutter. So if you want to talk about that, by all means, that's what free-for-all is. I'll suffer through it. We're here on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number three, our final hour of the broadcast today, our final hour of the week, as a matter of fact, is underway. It is uh, nine minutes past 11 o'clock this free-for-all Friday, the second morning of the, the, the uh, 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us. We're free-for-all mode for the rest of the program, so dial it up, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. By the way, <clears throat> it's 11.09 uh, right now instead of being 12.09 because we had to crank our clocks back, if you recall, and that's, of course, because daylight savings time is racist, right? You knew that, didn't you? Since it's Friday and we're doing free-for-all, I'm going to give you one that I didn't give you on Monday that I wanted to. I got caught up in a lot of other important things. Did you know that daylight savings time is racist? A recent article online at CNN argues that daylight savings time is racist because it disproportionately affects the sleep and the health of minority communities. Disproportionately. I don't know. What time minorities wake up every day or what time majorities wake up every day, black or white or or any ethnicity at all, I don't know how sleep can be disproportionately affecting one person over another based on a clock that turns back for everybody. Now, it's just, you know, I'm a little slow sometimes. Maybe I don't get it. The piece 
published by CNN's health reporter Jacqueline Howard, argued that daylight savings time disrupts sleep and throws off people's circadian rhythms. And that can contribute to general health problems. And, of course, since people of color have a higher number of health problems, that means observing daylight savings time is more dangerous for them. Oh, the age of insanity in which we live. This is a real story. CNN says growing evidence shows that lack of sleep and sleep disorders, such as obstructive sleep apnea, remain more prevalent in black, Asian, and Hispanic or Latino communities. And these inequities can have long-term detrimental implications for physical health, even raising the risk of certain chronic diseases. And so therefore, denying them an hour of sleep, and actually what's really bizarre is when you turn the clock back, fall back, right, spring forward, when we, when we turn the clock back, they gained an hour of sleep. So what they should say is that minorities have been disproportionately um, benefiting from changing the clock back because they get extra sleep. And extra sleep leads to what? Well, more health, according to the argument that they're making. Circadian rhythms are expanded. General health problems are minimized. And so really... If you think about it, when the clock falls back on daylight savings time, it's disproportionately unfair to white people because they don't, they don't benefit the way black people do from an extra hour of sleep. If you think this is stupid, you're right. <clears throat> I'll make it stupider, which isn't a word, but I'll make it stupider because why not? Did you know how really racist daylight savings time is? You know that daylight um, represents, well, light. It's, it's light in color. Daylight is bright, kind of like the color white, right? Nighttime is very, very dark. Nighttime is, is it's black, right? The skies are black when it's dark outside. So when you roll back the clock and take away an hour of light and add an hour of dark, well, or I'm, I'm sorry, under daylight savings, I think I did that backwards, didn't I? Wait a minute. It would have to be the springtime thing. I told you it was stupid. This is how stupid it is. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing the two up. If you take away an hour of darkness and add an hour of light, that's what I was trying to say, then obviously that's racist because you're taking away the color black and, adding, uh, and add, expanding the color white. And, of course, when it happens six months later, it's the other way, but don't bother us with details. The point being this. When everything is considered racist in the woke United States of America, nothing is racist. If you literally can point to daylight savings time being racist, and CNN wrote an article and defended it, if you can say daylight savings time is racist, then nothing is ever racist. Because you can't take anything seriously. So it's just just another one of those, uh, this is woke America. Let's go to uh, where? We're going to talk to AC in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. AC, good morning. Go right ahead. Bob, good morning. What's on your mind, sir? And they're kind, they're kind of related. Okay. But first of all, I want to commend you for your handling of exposing the dirty dozen that went in for this <clears throat> disrespect of marriage law that just passed, I think, Wednesday it was. Yeah, yeah. And you really, you really uh, did a good job. And it's this is a sad comment on this country. 
and where this country's headed. I wish I could have done really a better is. job, because if I'd have done a better job, and if a whole bunch of other people would have done a better job, they could have you know, talked some sense into these senators. We only needed two or three of them to vote against cloture and, uh, and, and kick this thing out of the, uh, the lame duck session. Uh, all we needed was two or three of them, and we couldn't do it. Yes, so, I mean, we tried, but Bob, we couldn't do it. Bob, you're dealing with people that you cannot talk sense into. Yeah. And you, you mentioned one of the, our own representatives here. That that turncoated on marriage. He did. And huh? No, I said he did. He turned. He turned. He turned yeah. his back on on traditional marriage, but mostly he turned his back on his constituents because he had them convinced yeah. he was going to uh, vote a certain way and was going to represent us a certain way, and then did something that was the opposite when it suited him and his family. It's selfish, right? Uh, and to me, it's a it's something that should stain his legacy and uh, long into his retirement. Right. You can't talk sense into a person like that. They've, they've gone too far. And, you know, I've, I've so. talked about it before, and, and thank you, AC, for the call and for the kind words. I appreciate that very much, sir. God bless you. Um, let me say this about Rob Portman. I said it earlier this week, and I'll say it again now. I don't blame him as a father. As a father, he wanted to do something that would help his son. So his son, you know, Rob Portman comes out, tells his uh, constituents, tells voters, I support DOMA, I support one man, one woman as marriage. It's obvious it should be the law of the land because it's the law of nature. It's the way that it is. I mean, that's what that's what marriage has always been. And he tells everybody that, and then his, dad, his uh, kid comes up, his oldest son, and says, Dad, I'm gay. And suddenly Rob Portman says, scrap that. Same-sex marriage is okay with me now because my son wants to do it. I get it as a father. Who doesn't want to be a good father? Who doesn't want to make their child happy? But as I said earlier, you didn't take an oath to your son. You took an oath to uphold the Constitution. You took an oath to uphold the rights of the citizens. You took an oath to the people uh, that you that you uh, asked to vote for you. And you said you would do one thing, and then you went and did another. Your oath is to the Constitution, not to your son. That's the reality. Be a father. Do everything you can, but when it comes to public policy, you have to do what's right by the Constitution, not what's right by your own selfish family needs. TJ in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, there's a lot of things that upset my circanium rhythms, but daylight saving time isn't one of them. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, this lady that called in on a Chevy Bolt, I'm glad that that car is working for her, her. But, you know, there's a couple down the street, and they don't have a heated garage. They have an unattached garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a Chevy Bolt. And I remember last winter, it's in the middle of a snowstorm, and they got this long extension cord run from the house, you know, to charge their car. And I'm thinking, is that is that worth it to save a couple miles on the gallon? Uh, you know, most people don't have a heated garage you know, to, uh, to charge your vehicle. Right. And and if they do, weren't they telling us a little while ago, don't charge your car in a heated garage because these Chevy Volts can start on fire, you know, when they're being charged. So, and, well, I and don't then, think it has to be a heated garage, but obviously you have to have a 220 line in your garage rather than just maybe a 110. You know, most people have, you know, their, you know, their garage lights over their workbench. So you got power out there, but you do need to go to a 220 instead of a 110. Uh, um, but, but, you know, it's not convenient for everybody. And that's the point. You, you just pointed out people with a detached garage and the problem they would have, you know, trying to charge their cars, uh, TJ. Imagine people who don't have garages at all. Imagine right. people who live particularly in apartment buildings. Where are they supposed to charge, you know, 500 people living in a, in a huge apartment complex, where are they all supposed to charge their cars at night? It's, or a lot it's not of, possible. Yeah. 
Yeah, or a lot of renters aren't allowed to park in the driveway. They have to park on the street. Yeah, so what do you no, do, that's... run a 100-foot 100, 100 extension cord out to the curb, you know, to charge your car? Oh, and, that's and, right. And, and I'll tell you another thing, Bob, when the temperature gets around 5 degrees and you think you're going to charge that cold vehicle effectively in that kind of cold, you'd be charging that thing for a week, you know, to get a charge. <laughs> and it's I mean, it may, to that anyway. Right, it may work out for a few people, but for the vast majority of people, it's not going to work. I mean, no. it's just, you know, it's... It's just ridiculous. And that was the point of the article by the guy from Breitbart, uh, you know, pointing out that they know this. Everything you just said is true, and they know this. Everything I've said is true, and they know this. And they don't care, because the goal isn't to make sure everybody has their own electric vehicle. The goal is to make sure that more millions upon millions of people don't have vehicles at all, and they're forced to use public transportation. And the people are that you just described, the ones who can't, the ones who have to park on the street because they're renters, or if they do have a parking lot at their apartment, there's not enough charging uh, places. You know, all these people are going to end up having to surrender their vehicles, move closer to the places they work in the cities, and then cluster there. They know full well that it's not going to be feasible for everybody, and that's their goal. And I'll tell you, Bob, personally, if I have to choose between a horse, a mule, or an EV, I think I'm going to take the horse and the mule to get around. <laughs> you know, I don't blame you, TJ, uh, although, uh, I don't, well, never mind. I don't want to get into the cleanup part. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate the call. Uh, that's the one thing whenever I watch Westerns, uh, like uh, like Yellowstone, uh, that's the one thing they don't show. They, well, they do show the one little boy uh, having to shovel out the bar, the, uh, the barns, uh, but... Um, but yeah, uh, all over the all over the properties. That's probably one. Th- that's one of the reasons I wouldn't be a good rancher. I'm not all about the horse uh, apples. Brian is in Sagamore Hills. Hey, Brian, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind? Can you hear me? I do. I hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, uh, okay. Yes, yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, man. I uh, I just couldn't help but uh, call you. I my my background is chemistry, physics, and uh, tribology. So okay. you know, I I. Have Lay the science upon us. Yes. Um, first of all, you need cobalt, yep. lithium, yep. nickel, yep. manganese, yep. copper, yep. and aluminum. Yep. I'm not, I, I'm not a chemist or any of those other things you are, but I did read all of those things uh, about what it takes to put these electric car batteries together. Go ahead. Now, 50% of all the known reserves of cobalt are in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Congo, yep. So that's going to make it very, very hard for uh, for us to get a hold of it because they don't like us at all. No. And and by the okay. way, but by, by the way, I I saw a documentary on this too. You know how they're mining for all of those things in the Democratic Republic of Congo, don't you? Yeah, little children. Yeah, they're not paying you know high union wages to to miners to go down there and do this. They're taking little impoverished children who are being forced by their parents who can't eat themselves, uh, much less feed those kids to go out down into those mines. They're coming out of those mines with black lung and all kinds of things. They're dying at extraordinarily young ages. And this is who the left that claims to be about human rights and about respect for life and so on and so forth. This is what they want to continue and in fact expand to the point where. Uh, every uh, gasoline-powered engine is gone, and uh, we have as many of these batteries well, with know, those materials possible. Uh, you know that are being built. They, they're willing to sacrifice those know, kids. Cobalt cosis is a very normal thing. They get paid a dollar, sometimes two dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take all the known reserves of the materials I just explained to you, you will not be able to make ten percent of the electric cars that we need. Okay, every battery 
takes 300 barrels of oil to make. Okay. So uh, if you have a 20 mile per, per gallon vehicle that drives 15,000 miles a year, but those 300 barrels of oil will allow you to drive 7.6 years for one battery. The, the uh, one gentleman mentioned the Chevy Volt. I have yeah. a customer that has a Volt. It is six years old, done. To replace the battery and put it together with shop supplies is $29,000. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say fifteen. I had heard one of those. Maybe it was uh, a different model, I've, but it was I've around fifteen dollars to $20,000, which is still crazy because nobody's going to do that. No, I believe you. You don't have to. You don't have to I, I believe uh, you totally. Um it, let me interrupt though. Let me interrupt though. Insane. Let me interrupt yeah. though, because you pointed out the uh, the the three hundred barrels of a million barrels of or, I'm sorry, three hundred barrels of oil to build one of these batteries. Um, what kind of numbers are we talking about to charge them? Because they're being charged with electricity, and that electricity is being powered either by natural gas or by coal. Very very tiny percent of it is powered by any of the renewables, the solar or the wind thing. Um, they won't allow nuclear. So when we're talking about charging those batteries, you're talking about building them with oil. Um, charging them is isn't that if it, when you expand to the number of EVs that they want and you kill the the combustion engine vehicles to the level that they want, aren't they going to maximize the amount of 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 coal and natural gas that we're going to need far far higher than we have ever been before? Well, yes. Yeah, so here here's the other problem. Our grid only has about 3% capacity at any one time, just the way it is right now. So, you know, in a, in a cluster of 25 homes, you can afford to have maybe three, four electric vehicles, maybe. You're going to need $15, 20000000000000 trillion worth of infrastructure <laughs> to even be able to support a lot of these things. Yeah, see, these things are all facts, facts, and they're all very easily proven by people like you who are who are scientists, and there are people who have written articles about these things, and yet no, the media won't won't cover them. The media will not share that information, saying, you know, if you think the answer to your gas price problems is an EV, and if you think your answer to saving the planet from the carbon emissions is to is to convert to all EVs, that's there's another element. Let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Chemist, what did you say, chemist? Physicist and what else? Yeah, chemist and physicist. Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this. Um, I have read uh, where the these batteries, because of the components, they do not degrade. They do not decompose. They they will not. They are not biodegradable. They're going to fill up landfills to the size of mountains uh, if if you try to change you know change out all of the uh, uh, the internal combustion engines with these. Uh, they do not decompose. Neither do the um, uh, the wind turbines. The, you know the blades on the wind turbines as well. They do not decompose. What are they going to do with all these things when they run out of run out of space to to bury them? Well, if you've ever seen the movie Wally, and you right. see the big pile, in you know in in the movie Wally, that that's the EV batteries. Because right. you know once once you put them together, you know trying to there's only one company that I'm aware of that can actually take them apart and reuse parts of it, uh, and it's why there's a $7,000 disposal fee uh, when you do get rid of your EV battery. So you got $29,000 <laughs> for their Chevy Volt plus a $7,000, you know, you know, disposal fee. Um, you know, w- you know, we're not going to be able to do that. No. You know, the other thing is, you know, the politicians, um, definition of a politician is someone who understands nothing until there's nothing left to understand. 
And, you know, Tacitus said, uh, you know, those who are too intelligent to go into politics will be ruled by the dumber ones who do. And that's kind of where we are. But that's, uh, that's very the ultimate re- yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the ultimate reality is that they pick and choose their agenda. Now, your wind turbines, okay, produce 1.2 kilowatts uh, per, per meter. Mm-hmm. A uh, nuclear plant produces 150 kilowatts per meter. So if we were to take the entire United States, every piece of land in the United States, and layer it with a uh, with either a uh, you know a cell you know to, to be able to, to charge it you know either uh, you know all these all these uh, cell farms that that are uh, charging or or wind farms yeah, you would be able the wind to farms, produce the wind half. farms or the solar farms. There's not enough solar land. Farms, is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. There's not the, enough land to to layer, in the United States to produce the wouldn't the, the even make fifty percent. And then on top of that, you have the wind turbine. Oh, no. He didn't just drop. He did. The phone clicked. I didn't do that. I wanted to talk to him some more after the break. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, call back to that caller whose name I've already lost. Call back and do me a favor. Give get, Brian, give your information to Marianne because I'd like to talk to you again. Uh, you might be my go-to expert whenever we have to discuss these EV things because that's uh, very important information you're sharing. Uh, quick timeout, 1128, right back. Always right radio. Miss something you want to hear? Check out the Always Right Radio podcast anytime at whkradio.com. So um, just to kind of quickly share this, I've, I've played this before when I first saw it. And if you'll forgive me from pushing CNN on you, um, this wasn't typical CNN. This was an actual investigative report by CNN into the cobalt mining in the Democratic Republic of Congo that the caller previous was talking about. Um, it is heartbreaking, it is devastating, and it is real. And I'm just going to give you a short minute or two of this so you can understand how hypocritical the left is when they continue to try to push the development of these EVs on us, telling us that it's the... Um, fossil fuels, the mining of the fossil fuels and the drilling and the fracking for fossil fuels that are killing the planet. Listen to what they're killing. CNN visited three sites to show how widespread the use of child labor is. At this mine, in spite of our permissions, we eventually had to resort to filming undercover to capture the children. We couldn't prove where exactly the dirty cobalt enters the international supply chain, but we witnessed that it does. Mercedes-Benz, Tesla, Fiat Chrysler, among others, say they have a zero-tolerance policy for the use of child labor, but they acknowledge they are unable to fully map their supply chain due to its complex nature. 
Car makers simply cannot promise consumers their products are 100% child labor free. After 10 days in Congo, our contacts advise us to leave for our own safety. But what have we learned? At the main markets, nobody asks where the cobalt for sale is mined or how. We followed a truck to an operation that is pumping dirty cobalt into the international supply chain under the aegis of the Congolese Presidential Guard. We witnessed mining ministry officials harassing children to hide them from our cameras, while others blocked our filming. All employed by the same Congolese authority, car makers entrust to issue the certification. By the way, when they talk about children, they're not talking about teenagers doing a, you know, a, a summer job. They're talking about four-year-olds and five-year-olds being forced down into these little tiny mines because they're tiny little bodies. They're the only ones who can fit through the very narrow veins of the mines to pull that cobalt up. And then you have actual little babies talking about infants, talking about six months of age, eight months of age, strapped to their mother's backs while they go down there and dig. And while they go down there and mine for it, the little baby's lungs being filled with all of the crap that the mother's lungs are being filled with at the same time because she has nowhere to leave them where she's going to leave her baby. I mean, I watched that with just, it was mind-boggling. Um, and this is what the leftists who say they care so much about human rights, this is what they want to push on you is the uh, the EVs. Sam is in Cleveland. Hi, Sam. You're on AM 1420. The answer, fire away. Good morning, Bob. I have a question for you. I have an interesting take on Biden's $500 billion student loan forgiveness where, uh, as you're aware, um, when they passed Obamacare, they federalized Sally May. They took the interest to pay for Obamacare. Over the pandemic, those interest payments were deferred. So essentially that money was not flowing in to keep Obamacare solvent. So is um, Biden or the people pulling the strings actually doing an end around to try and keep Obamacare solvent by giving this money directly to the borrowers, and many of them defaulted on these loans without having to go through Congress? That is a very good question, and that is one I bet the attorneys that are going to be arguing against this uh, in front of the Supreme Court in the hearings, I believe, that are going to be held on Monday, that's something they may bring up. And I hope they do, because it's a, it's a very legitimate question. Thanks for the call, Sam. Uh, BJ in North Homestead next. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Bob, uh, this might sound like a curious call or a curious observation, but there is a group of people that seems to be the biggest troublemakers on this planet when I listen to CNN and stations like that. And it appears to be that the Caucasian race of people, or other as us white folk, no matter what our nationalities are, if we were split up, folks like you and myself and our thinking are the threat to the rest of society whether it is the woke group or whatever other group it may be, it's the white people that seem to be the ones that the fingers are being pointed at for all the problems that's going on. And yesterday I was watching uh, uh, Mr. Levin on on, uh, Fox News, Mm -hmm. and he raised the issue about anti-Semitism. And I thought, how can anti-Semitism be possible when most Christians believe in Jews, Jesus and the disciples? So we're in a strange time and strange behavior of what is the truth and what is not the truth. But if we divided the white race into those that are conservative and constitutional-liking people and those that are the opposite of that, that are also Caucasian, it's the white people that seem to be the problem. 
in, in, in the world culture. I'd like your opinion on that and some comments from your listeners. Thank, thank you, you for listening and thank, thank you, you for the time. I appreciate it. I don't have a ton of time to give my opinion on those things now because of the clock here. Uh, but I will say, of course, uh, the finger of blame is always going to be pointed at the majority that's in power because the other people who are not in power want to be. How do you tear down or how do you get to that and ascend to that position of power? You tear down those who are in it. So the white race is always going to have that finger of blame pointed at them. That's all I can offer you for the moment. Navy man Norman Strongsville. Norm, go ahead, sir. 144,000 Chevy Volt owners can't can't be wrong, Bob. Every one of their cars has been recalled, every (laughs) single one, because they can't have uh, certain batteries that are manufactured. So this whole thing, like you said, it's a farce, and they don't care. I mean, as far as the kids in the Congo go, you seriously think they care about a bunch of African kids in the Congo when they don't care about but you know what it's but it's twofold though you know it's it's their hypocrisy is twofold first of all they say they care about human rights they care about oppression here in the United States but they don't care about that and then second of all they claim they care about the planet that's the reason why they want EVs instead of uh, fossil fuel powered cars because the planet the planet the planet well what about the mining and the digging it takes to get all of those minerals that we just talked about to make these batteries and then what about the fact that they do not decompose they're going to be filling up landfills and poisoning the planet far worse than us drilling for oil and using uh, natural gas and coal. Their stupidity is only exceeded by their arrogance, Bob. And the people better wake up to that fact seriously. Hey, listen, have a good weekend. I love listening to you on on, uh, the Flager Show. Keep up the great work, and God bless. Thank you. I appreciate that, Norm. I'm, I'm sorry to anybody who's on hold. I can't get to everybody else. That's just the way the clock goes sometimes. You want to hear more of what I'm doing, though? My new podcast with uh, Jack Windsor, who's just terrific. We have great, great rapport. It's called Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. We do two hours a week. We do an hour on Monday nights and an hour on Thursday nights. We just did one last night. If you want, if you uh, like to listen to podcasts, go to wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, um, any place, uh, uh, Podbean. You can listen to my uh, podcast with Jack Windsor called Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. And uh, take it with you, listen to it on your phone, and get your fix that way. I'm really proud of it, and we, we want to grow that as well. So share it if you could. Thanks to everybody for being a part of it today. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay free. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 